For the beginning of this week's episode, let's take a moment to just breathe. This isn't to dismiss everything going on in the world right now. It isn't to dismiss anything that's causing you anxiety right now. And it certainly isn't to make light of the fact that COVID-19 impacts some people's ability to breathe. This is a moment to become aware of the most essential function of our bodies. It is a moment, just a moment, to become still, as perhaps we have forgotten to do so lately. Inhale on a seven-second count. Hold it seven seconds. Exhale on a five-second count. Inhale. Hold it. Please continue to breathe as I speak. Because the listenership of this podcast is incredibly broad, it is quite rare that our attention will be focused on the same issue at the same time. It's not like I have a million listeners in Europe, but I have some. It's not like I have a million listeners in Asia, but I have some. I don't have a ton in Africa, but I have some, and so on. So whenever I say we, we means people from all over the world. And, to varying degrees, our attention is focused on the same issue right now. But our first response, just for a moment, is to bring our attention to breath. Inhale. Hold it. It's quite interesting that Lent, or at least Ash Wednesday, is the time where we're reminded from dust you came and to dust you return. I find rooting myself in that phrase to be very helpful at times. I also find it helpful to break the rules at times because it's really easy during times of sickness to feel like our bodies are letting us down or during a time like this that our bodies are liabilities. So today, I remind you that you are not just dust. Yahweh formed human from the dust of the ground and breathed into human nostrils the breath of life, and human became a living being. Inhale. Hold it.
I may be way off base in my assessment of culture, but for whatever reason, I'm not generally an anxious person. And neither do I think about germs all the time or always think I'm sick. With that being said, I've recently noticed my awareness moving toward those type of things. I've even noticed myself looking at people differently. At my worst moments, I have sort of imagined myself building an invisible shield around myself. Now, I don't know all that much about science, and I don't want to dismiss any of the wise recommendations of health professionals. But I also do not want to change my perspective of the beauty around me and my connection to everything around me. So, while still practicing social distancing, I can also move my awareness from my outer shield back inward toward our shared essential function. Breath. Inhale. Hold it. Inhale. Hold it. And exhale. I'm Anthony Mako. Welcome to Postmodern Liturgy. Postmodern liturgy exists in a couple different forms. Normally, this podcast is a chance to reflect on the weekly readings in the liturgical calendar the week before they actually occur. So this podcast usually comes out on Mondays and uses the readings for the following Sunday. Our distinctive is that we try to apply a variety of postmodern lenses to the text, especially offering space for deconstruction and doubt. I also write and record all the music specifically for this podcast. You can engage in more material at postmodernliturgy.com. You can follow us on social media at Postmodern Liturgy on Facebook and Instagram and at PM Liturgy on Twitter. And if you're so inclined, you can join our wonderful group of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash postmodernliturgy. We had been taking the opportunity during the season of Lent to deconstruct shame, and we will continue to do that in the coming weeks. But I wanted to address the situation going on around me and adjust a bit to try to be helpful. I'm in the US, more specifically in Ohio, and we're experiencing the beginning of trying to limit the spread of the coronavirus. Around me and many places in the US, many churches are limiting or canceling their gatherings for several weeks. Tons of churches are figuring out ways to go digital, but some probably just can't. So I wanted to just offer a consistent presence on Sundays for the next several weeks, in case that would help at all. Besides this week, I'm not going to change anything about the content of the podcast, except that the readings in the podcast will be the actual readings for the day the podcast comes out, 
instead of a week ahead. This will probably just continue through Easter. This week will be a little different than a normal episode in a couple ways. The most practical of which is, I had already moved on to start preparing an episode for tomorrow with next week's readings in mind, and only decided a couple days ago to switch it up. I also don't really feel like working too hard to connect the spread of a disease to this week's readings, but I certainly want to attempt to consider our current problem theologically a little bit. So I will offer the readings for the week, with space between, like normal. And then I'll offer a rather short reflection, which is almost entirely disconnected from the readings. And then a prayer. Next week, we'll be back to the regular format. So here are the readings this week, on the third Sunday of Lent. Exodus chapter 17, 1 through 7. From the wilderness of sin, that is, the place, not the thing, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as Yahweh commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test Yahweh? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to Yahweh, What shall I do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. Yahweh said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Oreb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, Is Yahweh among us or not? Psalm 95 O come, let us sing to Yahweh. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to God with songs of praise. For Yahweh is a great God. 
and a great king above all gods. In God's hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are God's also. The sea is God's, for God made it, and the dry land, which God's hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before Yahweh, our Maker, for Yahweh is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture, and the sheep of God's hand. O that today you would listen to God's voice. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For forty years I loathed that generation, and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger I swore, They shall not enter my rest. Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of God's Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as those to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? Or, Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you, and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages, and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. 
Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. As I mentioned earlier, the reflection this week has very little to do with the readings. But before we move on, it's worth wrapping an idea to take with us next week as we return to the theme of shame. In the passage from Exodus, we pick up on this theme that permeates that particular section of scripture. This passage comes after deliverance from Egypt, and the Israelites won't let go of the idea that they may have been better off to stay in captivity. At least we would have had food and water in Egypt. They're afraid of what's new. Or if I were to put it in terms related to shame, it might be that they are ashamed to grow. You see, sometimes Christianity can become a captivity of its own, especially with how it sometimes exploits shame. But we'll we'll wrap that up and carry it to next week. This week, I want to continue reflecting on what we're experiencing in the world. This week, it was officially named a pandemic. Don't worry. I'm sure you're inundated with information. I'm not going to go there. But I think this situation offers an interesting reflection, and it might offer us some help moving forward through what will no doubt be difficult times ahead. They already have been, and currently are, difficult, to say the least. There's a mysterious interconnectedness of all created things. Unfortunately, it has shown itself in a frightening way. But I think this all began with one person. One person on the other side of the world from me. To be clear, of course, I don't blame this person who probably didn't have any bad intentions, but nonetheless, our connection to each other and everything around us is quite clear at the moment. Speaking of this one person, one of the things that makes this situation so tense is our need for an enemy. In this case, if if we have something we would like to call an enemy, it isn't human. And so we find replacements. This person isn't taking this seriously enough, or this person is taking this way too seriously. Once again, I should mention my support of following the instructions of health professionals. Beyond our search for an enemy, crazy things start to happen when our systems collapse. This series of things keeps me safe. 
We're technologically advanced enough that we shouldn't ever have to worry about something like this. I go to work after I drop my kids off at school. I go to school in the spring and I have one week off for break. I will see the same people every day. I can see my friends whenever I want. I am always busy, but now I have nothing to do. I'm a fixer, but I can't fix this. I go to church on Sunday. Or I don't, and I think about how mad I am at the church on Sunday. But now it just seems mean. Now, I'm no trauma specialist. But, of course, this is traumatic. And, of course, we're acting in more extreme ways. Or in different ways than we would normally act. Maybe more than anything else. I'm not here to say, chill. I'm not here to say, worry more. I'm not here to say, other people have it worse than you. I'm not here to say, everything is going to be okay. I'm not here to say, God is in control. I am here, if you need it, to give you permission to feel what you are feeling. It's okay. And I don't mean it's going to be okay. I mean... It's okay to be feeling what you're feeling. Many of us are in unprecedented territory, after all. I'm here to say a little bit more, too. Although we are reminded of the interconnectedness of all things by this disease, something with negative outcomes, we are, nevertheless, reminded of it. And if there's any goodness to what is going on right now, could it be that we're reminded that this network exists? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control also spread through this network of interconnectedness established by Creator. I'm obviously not suggesting that love spreading through the network will combat coronavirus. But we can, while keeping our distance for the moment and washing our hands, have confidence that love spreads the same way. Stay connected with each other from a distance. For our prayer this week, I simply want to offer space. But space with a filter. I'd like to offer space to grieve. Perhaps you haven't considered it yet, but I think it's likely that we're all grieving several things right now. When we offer space, several different things can arise. We may actually have space to grieve. We may think outside ourselves. And sometimes grief can actually be moved to action. So, for our prayer, I ask one simple question this week. What are you grieving?
Amen. That does it for this week's episode. As you attempt to follow the suggestions of the health professionals in your area, keep in mind, we are loving the most vulnerable among us as we do so. See you next week.